Hey everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Sober Truth Podcast. Don't forget to check out the Sober Truth Project YouTube channel for more content on recovery, life, and faith. Link is in the description, and make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. In today's episode, we have the senior leader of the resting place, Caleb Hires. Caleb carries a burning passion to see the kingdom of God in its full expression in Tampa Bay. In part one of this eye-opening interview, Caleb and George dive into the topic of union and how the message of union was denied for so long. With why I think you and I are even friends. Sure. And, um, well, you know, a mutual friend guy, Glass, had mentioned, you know, you need to meet this guy, Caleb Hires. He's a lot like you. Um, just got to meet this guy. He's and crazy, too. He's yeah, basically <laughs> he's alluding to craziness. So, um, yeah, he, he, it's funny because people always do stuff like this. But he's like, he's he's got long hair. Uh-huh. Like, OK, oh, he must be my people. That's it. Because yeah. <laughs> I had dreadlocks for years and yeah. obviously tattooed. So long hair, they just go together. Yeah. People throw that type of stuff yeah. in. So he's got long hair. But he, he mentioned, you know, meeting you. So I finally get around to meeting you. And, you know, I don't know if you do this with everybody. And um, our first meeting, which was, you know, at a coffee shop and was three and a half hours long. But without prompting, you went into personal aspects of your story, which I was really um, impressed with. Like you told me about, you know, your past divorce Mm -hmm. and how that affected you and the way that you tried to be obedient to God um, through fasting, through walking away from income and just spending a year at his kind of his mercy and the Taco Bell story and um, just so much of what you told me that day. And I was like, this dude doesn't need to do that. I've been a pastor for, you know, 15 years, almost 15 years, and I've met tons of pastors. And so it's always interesting what they choose to talk about. Sure. And uh, I'm also, you know, being a counselor, I'm always thinking that's an interesting way to start this conversation right. or this relationship. And I have friends that, you know, are pastors that I still don't know anything about. That's still like, how are you doing? And it's always like, oh, good. And I talked to one the other day and I'm like, I almost just laid into him because it's like, seriously, man, you're just good. I haven't talked to you in six months. Like, right, right. give me something, man. Give me, yeah. give me a struggle. Give yeah. me, a, give me, because I will give something you mine. Something real. Something real. Yeah. Something real. So, just our first meeting, you sit down and you just lay it all out there. Is that what you always do? Well, I think the it's a cornerstone of my personality. I guess it's. I've always been extremely authentic. I'm not trying to be. I didn't even think about it. Like that's news to me. Yeah. I, like you're, you're, feeding it back to me. I'm like. I do that. Yes, I do that all the time. I didn't realize I was doing that. I was just doing it. It's Mm -hmm. natural for me to be honest and open. And I think it's because of my story that I can be honest and open. I know know it's it's the Lord. Yeah, yeah. Because when you know you've been delivered, when you know you've been set free, when you know it wasn't your work at all, that it was done to you and for you and through you. And not of you, yeah. You know, yeah. when you know that, like deep down, mm-hmm. there's like a security in that that I don't care. Like I don't care. Yeah. What you, I going into that meeting, I'll tell you this is the common thing I know I do. I go in there, I don't care what you think about me. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And that's not like a callous thing. It's not like a chip on my shoulder thing. It's not a harsh thing. It's like I really what you think about me, in the next few minutes or hours is not going to change who I am mm-hmm. and. 
it's just in there. Yeah. I don't know. It's I say it to my church all the time because I'm authentic in the pulpit as well. Yeah, yeah. I say, listen, I've got issues. Mm-hmm. Inauthenticity is not one of them. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Like that is not one of my issues. I have issues. That's not on the list. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I don't know. Maybe it's a personality thing, but I think it's also just security. It's security. Prior, prior to Jesus, were you like that? Well, I went from the womb to the pew. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I, I gave my life to Jesus at eight years old. It was real. I can yeah, tell but, you. but between six and eight. Yeah, yeah I know, right? Saying. Exactly. I was pretty guarded. No, <laughs> I mean, I, you know, and growing up in church, I, I really always hated the fake stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I hated I didn't believe in... Um, Idioms like fake it till you make it. Mm-hmm. I never that never resonated with me. I was like, you'll never make it and fake it. Like that's stupid. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the, you know, Sunday morning. Hey, how you doing, brother? Great. How are you? You know, but their life's falling apart. Yeah, and everybody knows it. Mm-hmm. That really irked me, even yeah. as a young person. I don't know. So that's true. Yeah, it was always it made me sick, really. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I just the more I discover Christ, the more I. It's no longer I, no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. I don't. I'm not even thinking about me when I'm talking about me. I'm thinking right. about Him. Yeah. It's like the testimony of my life is not even about my life. Yeah. It's about Christ. Sure. And what He's done. So, with that being the main core uh-huh. of my story, that it's His work. I'm just the one He worked on. I don't. Right. You know what I mean? Like, sure. It doesn't yeah. even go there in my mind. Like, oh, I probably shouldn't tell them this. <laughs> yeah. It, I, I don't know. I guess it's a lack of shame, too. I don't know. It's interesting. I think, you know, okay, so take the varying differences between our lives, and I did not go from the, but you know, to the pew. Right. Uh, you know, <laughs> the, the journey was 38 years. But um, I think after I became a pastor, getting, you know, my I was ordained for the first time um, by a church in St. Pete, and I was fresh in recovery, and right. didn't really know Jesus, you know, I think I was smart in a worldly sense and they needed somebody to do the type of things I could do in a worldly Ooh. sense. So I that became ordained. <laughs> so it's like, oh, this guy knows how to do this accounting or this type of, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's neither here nor there. But I found myself um, feeling very ashamed when I would meet other pastors. So... I was not always this way or this authentic. I was always inauthentic yeah. because, well, I had a whole 20 years or so of shameful, outright shameful things that all you had to do was Google search me and find. Right. So it was just easier to act like those things didn't happen. Yeah. And, you know, for me, it took, it was probably seven years into being a pastor before I finally got to the point where like, I don't care what you think. Right. Right. And now I'm to the point where like, you can think whatever you want, but my work stands for itself. The stuff that the organization and the way that we lead stands for, speaks for itself. Yeah. So look at the fruit. Yeah. There's fruit there. So judge me by my fruit. Right. Actually the one uh, thing you're actually supposed to judge by. Right. You know, false teachers by their fruit, you know, good teacher by their fruit. You're supposed to judge the fruit. Yeah. You know, and, a lot of times we don't even get there when we're judging people. We don't go right. to actually investigate the fruit. We just, the outward appearance and stuff. But I know what you're saying, and it's shame. Shame is a tricky thing because, you know, I I, I talk to pastors too. I talk to people who lead churches and stuff, and it is that plastic shell thing. Mm-hmm. 
drives me nuts. I was just at a pastor's meeting uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was uh, this um, discipleship forum. I won't go into details because I don't want to give anything away, but, um, and you wouldn't know anyone there. I don't know. Anyway, they, um, this guy, he was obviously, he's a pastor at the host church, and he's obviously sent there with like a script mm-hmm. to ask all the pastors. Yep. Or whoever we talked to, because we couldn't get him off a question. <laughs> we're like me and my right, me right. And my buddy, who's also a leader of a church, and, and we're like trying to have a normal conversation, and he right. just wouldn't. Yeah, just he kept coming back to his script, and like coming back to his question. I'm like, we already answered your question. Um, Apparently, not the way you wanted. Not the way you wanted. Um, but he just repeated it like straight. It was like one of the most blatant mm-hmm. versions of what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. And it, we're trying to like, hey, how long have you been here? What are you engaged? You know, how do you you have a family? Do you what? You yeah. know, like, how about you? And he's just like, uh, the the discipleship question. Yeah, answer yeah. please. And I'm like, it's sad. Mm-hmm. It's sad, and it's rooted in shame. Yeah, like, absolutely. If you can't let someone in, shame isolates. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter your story. It doesn't matter if you got 20 years of, of street or whatever. You it can, doesn't. You can be squeaky clean, whatever, on the outside or your actions. But if you have shame, you will isolate. Yeah. So that's not what conviction does. Conviction brings in brings things into the light. Mm-hmm. Right. I I say often that like condemnation and shame, those are de- that's a death sentence. Yeah. Conviction is a life sentence. Yeah. It sentences you to life and life right? abundantly mm-hmm. if you embrace it. So whenever I see someone isolating or someone putting up those walls, I'm like, man, why? You know, you're ashamed of something. And I think it runs to the core of of what you want to talk about, what you said off air and the union message and all that. Yeah. Because, like, when you assign your actions, good or bad, to your value and identity, mm-hmm. like, what I do is who I am. Yeah. You get into a whole world of shame. Yeah. Because then whatever you've done that's good, now you have to measure everything else you do mm-hmm. by that good thing. And any, any step down from that, right. now you're not less of a person right. than you were. And you're backsliding or you're what. Mm-hmm. But when you assign your identity completely, holistically, 100% to what God says about you yeah, and start there, shame is silly. Yeah. It's just silly. It becomes like a, a joke. It's like yeah. a bad joke. Well, it's the difference between shame and remorse. Right. So Godly sh- repentance. Yeah. Right. Or godly yeah. guilt. Mm-hmm. Godly guilt that leads to repentance. Yeah. That's, that's remorse. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there are things we do wrong and we should feel remorse. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know. And oh, I, listen, it's just scary yeah. if you sin and you don't feel it well, as a Christian. That's, that's, that's beyond that's, scary. That's calloused heart. That's, that's you, not. That's scary. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and it's so funny you say that because, you know, that one of the cornerstone things that makes the Timothy Initiative um, different from other places that try to do something similar is, you know, if guys relapse, we don't kick them out. Right. Which is unheard of in right. what we do. There, Nowhere else does that. It's like, no, you're kicked out, you know, or, or you got to start over. But right. we don't do that. We judge a person's conviction. At least try to, you know, best you can. And that's messy, but it's, Mm -hmm. I mean. Yeah, it's it's messy. It has to be, I don't know. I love what you guys do. And you you know that. We're a big. You guys are huge fans. We support you guys as often as we can and want to do more than what we've done even in the past. That's awesome. I mean, that, even that right there, I knew that was in your heart. I didn't know about that specific, but that makes total sense to me because it's it's seeing someone's destiny and identity in what God says about mm-hmm. them and saying that's more true than this. 
Right. And scripture. I mean, yeah. Colossians 3 talks about if you've been raised with Christ, seek the, seek the things that are above, for you have died. Your life is hidden with God in Christ. So my real life is hidden yeah. in Christ. Absolutely. So whatever's in Christ is what's real about me. But that's such a mind I know. blow for I some know. people. I know. But I'm faking it when I sin. Yeah. I'm not right, being myself. Right, right. I do this stuff all the time. I tell people, mm-hmm. if you ever sin again, because First John 2, verse 1 says, yeah. I write these things so that you would not sin. But if any one of us sins, we have an advocate with the Father. If, not when. If, 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 if church, please. If. You don't, you're not, we're not relegated to a life of sinfulness. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not. We're not. We're not. Mm-hmm. You get to choose now. That's the thing. Before Christ, you had no choice. You yeah. were trafficked by sin. Now you have a choice. Choose your master. Choose this day. Right. You have a choice. We have we lose that shift sometimes. Anyway, but if I ever sin or if anybody around me sins or whatever, we say, that was so unlike you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Whereas good. in most circles, it's like, oh, there you go again. That's good, man. You that's good. jerk. I knew you would. But, I like that. But what you're doing with Timothy Initiative, yeah. it's that same heart, that same right. thing. You relapsed. Oh, that's so unlike you, man. Yeah. We know who you really are. Right. It's in Christ. Mm-hmm. It's hidden in Christ. Yeah. It's going to be revealed, and we're going to see it happen on the earth. And that's that's the point. That, of that is message. the point. That's the practical application of the truth of the gospel. Mm-hmm. I'm a new creation. Yeah. I'm not acting like myself right now. I'm going to call myself up yeah. into it because love calls you up, not out. Yeah. You know, so... That's that's a practical stepping out into that truth, not just a theological position. Right. You know what I mean? And I. All but unfortunately, it's a theological position to most people. Oh, well, I know. Well, it's a it's unfortunately a head knowledge thing. Like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm a new creation. Okay, how does that work? Yeah. What What do you do with that knowledge? Right. Right. Are you just saying it? Are you just name it and claiming? Like, what mm-hmm. is it? Is it a bumper sticker? Is it a T-shirt? <laughs> it makes a good bumper sticker, though. Sure, right? <laughs> I, oh, my gosh. I just, I don't understand how we can shout something so loud mm-hmm. and live it so quietly and have no real implication. Right. I mean, there's no well, impact. And, and I think we're, we're, we're seeing the impact now. So let's talk. I just want to like backtrack. We talked about shame for Sorry, a second. Um, no, 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 you're fine. This is just a conversation. So we talked about shame and we just talked about messy. You mentioned messiness. So dude. we, then we, t- and we talked about church pastors that sometimes, you know, are following a script rather than being authentic. And I think those three things go together. Yep. And I think that they, now we are seeing a massive shift in Christianity falling apart on a on a on a whatever your professional level okay yes. now i'm not saying christianity. professional christianity is falling apart praise and, god and, praise god praise god and 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 i think that that's the, those are three of the reasons right yeah. there it's like yeah. you know people can see people that are not authentic and they're not authentic so they become rule checkers or whatever because it's easier to do that than to be messy yeah. and to actually engage and be in a person's life it's easier to just say you did this wrong you got to go. Yeah. You did that wrong. You got to go. You did this right. You can stay. Way easier. Way, Way more controllable. Easier. Cleaner. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's easy to, to replicate. Mm-hmm. That's why it's professional, right? It's easy. It's franchisable. It is. Fra- <laughs> yes. Yes. I, I can't even tell you how awful that sounds, but it it's sounds awful. It's the truth. We franchise uh, yes. Christianity. That's what I hear you saying when you say professional it, Christianity. It, that's what it is. So mm-hmm. it's like, can, can this be... Can this be duplicated? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to actually have a, a, a friend of mine as a church planner, and I'm going to have a discussion with him a little bit later because, you know, I, over the years, there was a time where he was like, you have to be duplicatable. Mm-hmm. And, and I, like, from day one was like, you cannot duplicate TI. 
Right. Period. Right. Because it's an organic community of broken men that come together to do life. Right. How, you can put those people together in those pieces, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it's not going to become this. It's going right. to become something totally bad. Right. And so there isn't, you don't standardize the Timothy initiative. Right. It, it, it's just, it's like saying standardize the Holy Spirit right. because that's really what you're trying to do, right? Right. And there, there are principles that carry. Of course. Values you can... Mm-hmm. Carry, sure. Right. So, like with the resting place, I'm, I'm, planting campuses at a clip that most would would not think is wise. You know, we're three mm-hmm. campuses in in three years, and I've got my eyes on another one in the next two years. And anyway, we the Lord has shown me the, there are five like DNA essentials. Sure. But the expression. That's the key. You just said the Lord showed you. Yes. And the expression. Not the business planner. Right. Exactly. It came from the Lord. Right. And that's where it's going to multiply. I think right. multiply is a better word than duplicate. But they want to duplicate. I know. But stewardship it multiplies. Yes. It doesn't duplicate. Yes. I agree. I'm agreeing right. with you. Yeah. Right. I know. I know. Uh, yeah. We, but, and there are things that carry. Like everyone, every church in the world, Western, Eastern, doesn't matter. Anywhere in the, on the planet Earth mm-hmm. should love their neighbor as they love themselves. That's it, That's man. a principle. I'm saying that's, that, that's yeah. going to carry. And the way you duplicate that is going to look very different depending on where you live, who your neighbor is, mm-hmm. you know, your neighbor. With, well, yeah. If your neighbors are here down with the TI dudes, yeah, you got different neighbors of than course. if you live yeah. in another part of town. Yeah, it's like yeah. loving your neighbor is going to look different. Mm-hmm. You can't duplicate it. You can't use the same script. Exactly. Know? It's just exactly. not possible. It doesn't work. And I think we've tried to do that as a professional church. Yes. And uh, and that's what the public's seen over the last two years. Yeah. It's like you guys can't even get along with each other. Right. And, and so. And you talk about like um, fake and all that stuff. Millennials. I'm a millennial. I don't know, are you technically a millennial? I don't know. I don't even know it's what like I am. so weird to tell where I've been told. Yeah, I'm an old millennial. Okay. So this is the thing about millennials. We smell BS a mile away. Yeah. You faking it, we it it's like it's like sending shivers up our spine. You're twenty nine, right? I'm thirty two. Ooh, thirty two. I'm an old millennial. An so, old millennial. Yeah. So it's it's just one of those Cole's things. a millennial over there. Yeah. Very judgmental, man. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's if it goes the wrong way, <laughs> it, it can goes, be there. Can, you know? Yeah, right. But I think there's a there's a power in that because we want the real thing. Sure. Like, we don't want you to fake it. Like the guy, the plastic preacher, like, oh, he's smiling. Everything's in the right place. It just place. doesn't look right. It's not right. Well, it's, it's a not lie. Right. <laughs> it's a lie. That's true. It's that's lying. True. Yeah. It's yeah. bearing false witness to your neighbor. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> what else do you call it? So I'm not saying we I should. I just said that yesterday to Tracy when we were yeah. talking. I, I said that's bearing false witness. Uh, you know, using the name of the Lord in vain. By yeah, not I don't understand. It right. And But. But it comes back to what makes me me. Mm-hmm. This image of me, this idea of what I'm trying to attain or like be as a preacher, pastor, whatever, Christian, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, put it in your own context, mom, dad, son, whatever. That that image of it, if it's anything other than what God has said or God or if it's contributed to anything by anything other than what he has done mm-hmm. in its essence and its it's beginnings. I'm not talking about like we got to partner with the finished work of Christ. Of course, right? it's, like you got to yeah. walk it out. I I'm saying, where do we begin? Yeah, I'm talking about the origin story of you. Like that's that's what has to get settled. Yeah, in the Christian church, and I think that we've started with different origin stories, and mm-hmm. we've started with I don't know these expectations that are put on 
culturally put on pastors, preachers, and church leaders, and things like that—that that they have to have right. the white picket fence. And well, it's even even when I talk to secular people um, for the first time, and they're they're like, "Oh, you're a pastor," and then they'll inevitably they'll cuss, and they'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I pastor." Know. I hate that. And I'm like, "Do I look like I don't cuss or I something?" Hate that. <laughs> like, so I'll cuss. I, I, I would cuss just to make I them comfortable. Back, yeah, yeah exactly. Me too. Because it's like, I can't stand that. I, I But that's a cultural thing where it's a oh. totally secular person and they just think, oh, that's how it's supposed to be. And you know, there's something about it. It's like almost honorable by almost. them. They're like, the secular, yes. they're like yeah, 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 oh, I, I don't want to disrespect sure. what you are and who you are. Like that's, that's honorable from their side. Right. You know what I mean? They're like, oh, I... I'm sorry. Like I'm, I wakeboard and I'm at the cable park yeah. and I hate anyone there knowing I'm a, I'm pastor because right. it, it like changes the whole game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm just a guy on the dock wakeboarding with the fellas. You right. know what I mean? Right. Like this is my physical outlet, you know? And yeah, if, if something happens then I will, I'll, I'll talk about Jesus, but it's, I'm not out there like, Pastor Caleb is here to wakeboard. You know, I'm like, oh, and so I. And how hate, are you guys today? Yeah. Is everybody good? Is huh. it? Is, can I pray for you for yeah. anything? You right, know? No. right. It's just through conversation. <laughs> so it should be organic. It should be just a part of your life. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know, man. I don't. It's a loaded question when I have people like I, I live, I live three blocks from here. So I live in, in the hood, in the yeah. inner city and, uh. You know, I'll be getting out of my car often and some drunk person will be, you know, walking down the sidewalk and they'll be like, are you the pastor? And uh, and it's almost like every time I'll turn and look and try to evaluate how I answer this question. Right, right. You know, it's like, ah, who's asking? Right, You right. know, because right. what are the expectations of that answer? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, if I, I say yes. It. I know that guy on the corner who's drunk then expects me to go totally out of my way to save him and do right. something for him. Right. There's a savior complex right. on it right. sometimes. Well, yeah. and they'll use it, if you're around the right people, they'll manipulate that right. to, to use it against you. So right. you're supposed to be a man of God and you won't drive me to the bar. Mm-hmm. Like, I say you're <laughs> supposed to be a man of God and look what you're doing. Right. I, I, look, I know your destiny. I'd start prophetically speaking to who he is. And <laughs> that would be either convicting or what? I don't know. But right. anyway, it's, I don't know. I, I avoid it at all costs when someone asks me. I avoid answering it. Like someone <laughs> asked me, one of the cable operators at the Wake Park, at Wakeboard Park, asked me, what do I do? I was like, uh. I play music. I actually said, I, I run a nonprofit. Oh, yeah. I use, <laughs> yeah, that's true, too. That's always a good one. Yeah. He, so. But he kept digging. He was like, well, what? Oh, cool. What does it do? I'm like, <laughs> um. We help people. You should you know. say musician. You got the long hair. People know, just buy right into but that. But it's less accurate. Yeah. I mean, I do play music still, but yeah. I do my full time job as well. <laughs> and I'm like, it's, you know, and then he's like, oh, that's cool. You're, you help me. Like, I'm like, he's like, do you guys have events? You know, I'm like, oh, once a week. <laughs> you know, <laughs> do we have events? He's like, oh, cool. Like, what what do you do with those? I'm like, it's a church. It's a church. I, ch- I lead a church. All right. You yeah. got me. You got me. But it's not out of shame. Right. What I do, it's like, I don't want this guy who I've been talking to and like creating a relationship with to now all of a sudden act differently. Right. And right. like right. have to change himself, like clean himself up when I want. I want him to be him. Right. And I don't, I don't know, man. I don't see God coming to us. Um, with like a checklist, like, oh, you better get your stuff together before I can hang right. out with you. I right. see Jesus getting in the the mess. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a simple question. When if Jesus returns, where do you think he's going to show up? Mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of what church has become is denying that answer because 
they if they really thought about it, he wouldn't be showing up in your church. Not you, Caleb, oh, I but you. some I of the you. bigger financially spending churches. If he did show up in some churches, it wouldn't it be wouldn't good. Be I would probably be scared. It would not I'd be, be running. Yes, yes. I'd be leaving quickly. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, yeah. You know, I have a friend who's been uh, a pastor, like a professional pastor for years. And, um, we've been friends for a long time and he's actually going to come and spend a few days with me because he's considering leaving all that behind to come and work with me in the inner city. So he's just feeling empty after yeah. all these years of, you know, being a mega church pastor. Yeah. And you know, it's a sad situation because none of, no one who we're talking about right now, um, is, is, I don't, I think very few are maliciously absolutely intent not, yeah. upon. I don't either becoming something that's not truly Christianity. I don't think right. that's happening. So it's this cultural paradigm that just kind of replicates this mm -hmm. false ideology and and creates this thing that we're talking about, professional Christianity. And so I feel, honestly, my heart breaks for those who are caught up in it, mm -hmm. who can't be honest, who yeah. have no one they can talk to about their struggles, especially not their team at their church, right. and especially not their overseers because they got removed. Right. Like, I don't think that we've done a good job at even allowing things like James was James five confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. I don't believe we've created a safe place of confession. No, because if you confess, you get punished. Right. You know, and it's like I'm not gonna. I won't be healed if I confess. I I'll will be, be fired. Hurt. <laughs> I will be kicked out. I will yeah, yeah. lose my job. It's like so they have to carry that. I feel I break my heart breaks for these people. So I'm not. I'm not bashing anybody, and I don't think you are either. No, I'm not saying. at all. It's it's a burden that is not needed. Like what the world really needs is real people, mm -hmm. really depending on the Lord, really seeing God come through for them. Like it has to be about Christ's work, not ours. But we're still struggling with old covenant paradigms in a new covenant setting. Yeah, trying to attain blessings, trying to receive mm -hmm. from God. It's like you've already received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. Ephesians one. First Peter says you've been given everything according to life and godliness already. All right, already. If he's just to your seated with him in heaven, the places already. Like, I could go on. I know. I could keep rattling these off. Like, where, when are we going to start where God asked us to start? Like, his finish line is our beginning point. Like, when he said it is finished, we began. Do you have an answer for why you think we churches, you know, historically haven't jumped to that? Do you think it's... Um, as I've heard others say that it was, you know, waiting. This is the third great awakening, the age of the kingdom. Um, and the message of union is the new message. But how did it get denied for so long? Do you, do you have a simple answer? Uh, I, don't I know a, you have an answer. I don't have a simple answer. But, but I, yeah. you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? Like, um, Somehow it's been the message of we need to somehow plead with God to come to us, plead to God to show up, plead with God. It's pleading, pleading, pleading. Why did no one see, oh, this says he's already here? How did? It, no. <laughs> it went from the people who saw God in the flesh with a testimony of God came to me. I, I didn't go to God. God came to me. He came. I touched him. He was right there. I saw the miracles. God came to me. It went from that to a few generations later of, we heard that God came to some people. Mm -hmm. And then it became with Constantine and all yeah, that stuff. Yeah, of course. Oh, God came. And now 
a lot of money's flowing there. Yeah. And let's make it official. Yeah. And they made it standardized religion into the official, you know, like it was the official religion of Yeah, it was the official religion of, of, for the next yeah. thousand years. Yeah. So now it became a uh like a members only club. Mm-hmm. It became a, a holy huddle, right? And all along the while, all along that time, it became less about God coming and us coming to God. Mm-hmm. And you could come to God now in a professional setting, pay your tithe, right. and all of a sudden God's pleased with you. And it flipped slowly yeah. over time. Then it became a franchise. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, oh, we can use God in the name of God to get to, people to do what yeah. we want, mm-hmm. to make a difference, to whatever, you know? Yeah. To do these things we know should happen. Yeah. Right? So we're going to use it. And it was no longer God did it. God came. It was, I'm going to do something for God. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And it's this slow sort of turn. This, yeah. It's, it's, but <laughs> even, even let's look at even, you know, um, 1903, whatever, the Holy Spirit falls in California. And why, for the last hundred years, did no one pick up on the finished work and still got stuck with the Holy Spirit. Well, God came again, right? And so <laughs> God was like, here's what I got to do. I got to whack him. I got to really make my presence known. Yeah. And all along the while, though, George, there have been people who sure. knew the yeah. truth. Yeah, true. They just weren't the mainstream. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if it's a maturing of the human race. I don't know. But honestly, I don't think it is because... Paul had the union message. Yeah, we're yeah, reading the yeah. words of Paul, oh. John the Beloved. I mean, all, these guys knew. Mm-hmm. Oh man, God came and took me out of me and put Him in me. Yeah, and now I'm one with Him. And what? And I'm yeah. just trying to. Yeah, yeah. And I feel Him in me, and I, I, I've got life in my veins for the first time. And they, I have God inside, and I didn't do it to me. Yeah, you know that was happening, and then it became the the club, and then it became a franchise, and now it's like. God's like, bang. And I think my best answer is we love our tradition yeah. more than we love the Lord. Mm-hmm. And can a believer love tradition more than they love the Lord? You bet it. You bet. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting seeing the different, you know, knowing different people, like actually knowing them as a human being in relationship knowing how good of a person they are and just seeing what they believe. And, and it's just interesting how some people can take it one way and some can take it totally another. And it's just like, wow. As a, if I step outside of that and just, you know, I know what I believe now, but just three years ago, I didn't, right. I didn't even see it. I think I would have believed it if somebody showed it to me, but I was in a place that we just talked about plead with God to come and, oh Lord, come! Yeah, oh Lord, come! Like, and and I live in there. What are you talking about? It's almost like the more humble. I, I don't want to say this in a bad way, but social justice, humble type of people. It's like the message of union is almost prideful mm. because you don't understand it. Maybe it is a maturity thing. I don't know, but I just or a know, presentation thing or, or a presentation thing, yeah. right? Well, you know, can we get a little fringy? Sure. Okay, let's go to the fringe. A little fringy. I, I would argue that even the apostles had different oh, presentations yeah. of yeah. this. If you look of at course. the scriptures, it's clear. Yeah, it's clear. If we only had John and Peter writing and not Paul, we would not have the message of union. Like, 
It's yeah. it's it's on it's like a side issue almost to Peter and John, right? In their writings, right? And it's not that it was a side issue in their heart; it was a side issue in their purpose for writing. They were writing for other reasons. They were writing mm-hmm. specific things to those people, and it became canonized scriptural, right? Yeah. And you know, there's other letters from Peter. Yeah. There's, there's other, other letters. letters. There's other letters from other people that there's aren't in there. Third so. letter to the Corinthians from mm-hmm. Paul, things like that, that is verified but not canonized. I'm not saying it's whatever. Yeah. It's just there. I'm just, I'm, it's a historical document. So anyway, but without Paul and his writing, we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's the Pauline way of thinking. I mean, it's, uh, Paul was the, was the main voice for this. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not saying the Holy Spirit wouldn't have revealed it as well through the other writings. I'm just saying that even the apostles had different. Yeah, of course. Presentation of it. Mm-hmm. So. I don't know, man. There is also an anointing for it and a, everything. There's a season. I don't understand it completely, but I know that God is not worried about his reputation and God yeah, is not no, insecure no. about whether we get it or not. You know, <laughs> Jesus proved that pretty well. You know, he did. He did. Eat my flesh, drink my blood. End of sermon. Yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I actually, you know, I, I kind of like the idea of the third great awakening where it's, you know, every 500 years is the awakening and this is just another awakening. There and seems to be a pattern. It does. And it does. God takes out the trash every 500 years. Yeah. It, I think the thing about it is God is a person. God mm-hmm. has a personality and God gets fed up with stuff. Yeah. But love is patient. The only thing he's slow to become is angry. Right. The only, he's, the only thing he's slow, <laughs> slow at is anger. Yeah. He's quick at everything else, but he's slow at anger. So I think 500 years is pretty slow. You know, I mean, to be like, all right, I'm done. I'm done with you telling people that they're dirty wretches and they need to come to me every time. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's not even, it's not even defensible. With the text of Scripture. That's the thing for me. I grew up Southern Baptist. Now, that's what my next question was. Let's talk about your conversion to that thinking because yeah. you didn't always think this way. Ooh. Your story was a Baptist, yeah. not knocking the Baptist, no, but you worked in a Baptist church.